Hello, and welcome back again to the In the Growth Space podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here with me. Um, we're going to be talking today with a great leader. Uh, her name is Charlotte McLeod. And, and Charlotte, or you may hear me call her Charlie because uh, her husband <laughs> introduced me to her as Charlie. Uh, but she, she is a business leader that's been um, in the industry, in the business environment, um, with over 18 years of senior executive experience, both in the UK and internationally. And she's been a board director for 15 years, and she's defined um, strategy, and, and, and she's also translated goals into practical operational plans. And so she's super passionate about developing people and maximizing their potential. Um, she also worked for a major retailer for the first 11 years of her career, and she worked up from being a trainee to a board member, and then she moved into magazine publishing, and there she worked within uh, the senior leadership team of Hearst and Condé Nast in the UK. She's currently in an operational role where she supports entrepreneurs with growing businesses and helping them to find leverage through people, processes, and systems. So Charlie is not only a great leader, she and her husband, Andy, are my great friends, and I'm super grateful to be able to talk with her on this podcast here today. So, um, so now let's uh, get into this, uh, this interview, this conversation, and um, here's that conversation now. And I'm so excited to have you here, Charlie. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure, and thank you for that fabulous introduction. <laughs> yes, no, it's great. It's great to well, great to have you here. I, I just let's. Let, I always like to go kind of go back and, and like hear like what got you into the, the 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 role that you're in today. But but more importantly, like how did you start out? Let's talk about like your your uh, beginning part of your leadership journey. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. Okay, so I when I. Uh, um, was lucky enough to have parents who believed in education, so I had a good schooling, and then um, I went to university here in the UK. Um, as I was finishing there, I really did not have a clue what I wanted to do. I was surrounded by friends who, I want to be a doctor, I want to be an accountant, I want to be a management consultant, whatever, you know, they were clear, and I really didn't know. So I looked around at roles and opportunities that would give me as many opportunities to find my niche, my niche, I believe, mm -hmm. as say um as i could um, <laughs> and um and i started work for uh, a big retailer here in the uk who has um got international as well wh smith and they are a general station of book books newspapers magazines um that kind of retailer but what they had at the time was a trainee scheme where you had mm. three six month placements around the organization mm. um, and it gave them an opportunity to see where your strengths were and it gave you an opportunity to see what you quite liked as well. Mm. It, it again, had a very robust recruitment program. Um, so I felt quite good when I got into the company. Um, they were well known for their training and support and development. Um, and, and yeah, so I had, I bounced around some different roles and was spotted by some senior managers as doing a good job. And so they grabbed me into my first role grab me into my second and it went from there so it really did start from I didn't know what to do I joined what was classed as a general management scheme and I guess as I progressed through my roles I went into areas of expertise but came out the end a pretty good general manager and now having been a CEO they sort of the roles I've played have generally taken all of those skills and so so yeah that's how I started 
Um, and I moved through a number of roles in that first um, organisation. And as you say, was there 11 years, but moved from being a kind of dog's body, do anything for anyone, um, and then gradually stepped into more and more senior roles. Um, we did a number of acquisitions, so I was on project teams there, and that gave me visibility of a lot of different parts of the business again. Um, and then I left, when I left there, I'd been um, on the board of one of the smaller businesses within the group. Um, but again, that gave me a huge opportunity um, to, to learn and grow. Mm, yeah. And again, I mentioned that the business was very supportive. They actually provided me with a business coach as I stepped into that first senior leadership role. Um, nice. Myself and a colleague were both quite young women at the time in quite a male orient male environment um and to give us that bit more confidence um, sure, sure we we were provided with that resource as well which was fantastic that is fantastic I, I i'm curious about that i mean how how important was having a coach um to your growth and really even your visibility within the organization talk a little bit about that what was that like it was um i think initially i found it all quite awkward because talking about myself um although this will dispel all those talking about myself is not something i'm overly comfortable about so suddenly having to be in a room with an individual and all we're there to do is talk about me yeah. was was on a, on a regular basis was was quite alien hmm. what i found it really useful to do to start with was actually to help me think through and almost practice some of the really difficult conversations that hmm. anyone to do um, so, you know, there's always cost savings, there's often redundancies or um, challenges on performance, as well as the kind of mentoring and coaching that you want to do for your team as well. And how to start some of those difficult conversations was where I was struggling. So to have someone who was coaching, but also a bit of mentoring, if I'm honest, sure. um, to, to practice those conversations and really think through how am I going to approach this? How are we going to leave the conversation as I want to? And I could probably picture the leaving, but it was how to start it. Mm. So, so that coaching was really useful then. Um, yeah, and I think that, that mentoring came from both that coach, but also um, you know, other people in the organization who I looked to to learn from, both how to do it well and how to do it badly and how sure. not kind of things. Yes. <laughs> Always yeah. important to see both sides. Yeah, I was just going to say there are lessons along the way, I know for sure. Yeah. Well, I know that before we started talking uh, on with this, we hit record, we were talking a little bit about just some of the, the people that you looked to. And one of the, I, I know that you um, mentioned about uh, an, an, an individual or a leader that you kind of watched and you um, really respected and, and uh, you you saw how that that individual was able to kind of go from from one situation to a next to the next to the next and almost yeah. like shifting gears. Talk a little bit about that. Like, what was it that you learned from that, and and then how did you apply it in your own life and in your own leadership journey? Yeah. So this um, this leader Richard, I he was probably my first role model, I guess, um, and. And he just had a very good way with people. He, and I think one of the key things was he was a very good listener. Mm. Also, and, and collaborative, but did make decisions. I saw a lot of people 
talk a lot and I saw a lot of leaders listen a lot and I saw a lot of decisions never get made and he was just a good um, Pete, a good, a good role model for all of those elements. Mm. But when I was working for him, as you say, I was um, his executive assistant for a period of time. It was part of my um, kind of different placement roles. And I saw him bounce between different meetings where he was in a one-to-one, um, having a different conversation, to presenting to 400 people, to then negotiating a big contract. And, and that was just in one day. And I was just in awe of how he could switch his brain between those different things, um, be as prepped as he could be for each of them and, and deliver results um, in, in each of those environments. Actually, when I got into it and started helping him prepare for some of those, and then also, as you say, as my career has gone on and I've ended up doing some of the same things as well, what you realize is actually the practice that you've had helps you bounce into a room and negotiate with someone just because you've done it before, mm. yes, you've got to prep the numbers and know what you're talking about, but you do not need to do as much prep the 14th time you do it as you do the first time. So I'm friends with teachers, the first year that they're teaching, they've got to prep every lesson plan, they've got to get it all down, and it's yeah. hard. Yeah. By the time you're a 20-year experienced teacher, you need to keep refreshing it, but you've got the shape and the confidence to just step into a classroom and manage it um, and similarly in business, I think that comes. So I think for new business leaders, everything can feel quite big, difficult, scary. Um, absolutely. Anyone who is a really experienced business leader, they felt the same. It comes through that practice and time and, and experiences. Um, I love I that. There's no John Maxwell, um, you know, an excellent speaker. Yeah. The first time he spoke, he wasn't. Right. <laughs> uh, the time he spoke, he was a bit better. Now he's done it seven million times or whatever. It's pretty damn good. Um, yes, exactly. And as I say, I was looking at a role model in business thinking he's brilliant, but he, you know, he was 50 by the time I was working for him. Yeah. This year I'm 50. Um, I'm not saying I'm brilliant, but I have definitely got a lot better than I was when I was 21. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up, Char Charlotte, because um, I, I think that, you know, one of the things that, um, as, as especially, um, em I, I'm going to call them emerging leaders. There may be new, new leaders. They don't necessarily have to be young, but, um, no, no. but they're, they're new leaders then. And they, they think that, um, the first time that they do something, they have to be perfect. And so, um, I'm so glad that you talked about that because we talk a lot about, um, that uncomfortable space when you're doing something for the first time that, it is uncomfortable, but yet you have to just keep pressing into that over and over and over again. Was there a point in time when like you like started to feel a little bit more comfortable or did it just happen like naturally for you? It, I think for me and I think for a lot of people, you don't realize you've got more comfortable with it until either you take a step back, perhaps a business coach points it out to you or a colleague um pointed out i think while i was for me what what brought it to my attention was as i was um you know initially stepping into leadership i was working with a group of colleagues we all luckily developed and uh, moved into different roles and actually meant that we weren't all working together when a few of us came back together a few years on onto a project we'd all grown and developed 
and we all kind of recognized it in each other mm. and so it was actually that those colleagues who pointed out blimey you've got good at that and well you used to be scared of doing that now you're happily to stand in front of 400 people <laughs> yeah and so it was it does just happen and actually there isn't a moment in time that it suddenly gets all better because actually you might get much stronger at one thing but still be uncomfortable about another mm -hmm. um and i think like actors you know they would say that you should always feel a bit nervous when you go on stage it yeah. should never you should never get too complacent and i think that's valid in business as well um yeah. but you're right as an emerging leader you'll gradually get better and you won't quite notice you have until someone else points it out to you yeah i think that's that's really interesting um so like you talked about growth and and having you know people kind of pointed out to you like what do you do today what's like how do you intentionally you know stay sharp keep growing and and really moving in in a direction of growth how do you how do you do that now well i guess it's um a variety of different ways actually um one is that trying to you, know, you get I got to a point in my life, and I think a lot of people do, where it's you take a step back and think, right, how do I give something back while learning? And two elements that I'm doing with that, one is that I'm actually mentoring now emerging business leaders who are doing um, business studies courses at the university I used to study at. Oh, nice. Um, and they run a mentoring program where you support individuals through for two years. So you see them come out of that learning, which is normally a postgraduate kind of course, um, often they are looking to change a career that they might have started um, and, and you coach them through that. So it may not be that you've got an expertise in their area of industry, but you've got expertise in, in all the things we're talking about now. Mm -hmm. and I've done that for about uh, eight, nine years and it's really fulfilling, but at the same time, it's a two-way learning because it's mentoring. Um, actually by having to think through and help someone, you're learning it again yourself. Um, and I know they are that sort of often, if you want to learn it really well, then teach it, um, right. because it embeds that learning in yourself. And so that mentoring role um, has definitely delivered that for me. Um, so that's one thing. I also um, looked to find a volunteer role that was going to be something I could add value in and that it would help me grow as well. Um, I don't have children, but I've been, as I say, I've been lucky enough to have a good education, so I wanted to give something, if I could, back into education. Oh, yeah. so I'm now, I don't know what it's called in the US, actually. In the UK, we have non-executive director roles, okay. so a kind of um, consultant on the board. Okay. And so I'm, I play that role with a schools trust that sits across, it's a body that sits across 32 schools from... Okay. Um, uh, Again, trying to get my translation. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> a junior and high school, and then also some special schools, some special needs schools. So it's it's an organisation that that brings together um, that that cluster of schools, um, and so I'm on the the board there. What they've had struggles with is the growing pains of mm. trust that had two schools to start with, then ten, then nineteen, and now thirty two, wow. and communicating to all the staff communicating to the key stakeholders um, how to leverage their, um, their systems. So all the things that a business would be dealing with, um, I've got expertise and understanding of. So I don't know anything about the educational side. I'm learning that part. 
um, and learning how the government funds it, which is a whole other world. Um, but I'm being able to bring skills to it and working with a very different group of people. And actually, mm. that big learning is oh, yeah. be in a corporate environment and work with a certain type of person pretty consistently. Sure. Step out and work in a very different environment where decisions made, the decisions making is different as well. It challenges you to behave differently too. So that's another learning. Yeah. Third one, I'm lucky enough now to be working with a firm, uh, again, well known in the US, Keller Williams, oh, yeah. uh, not known at all in the UK. Uh, just starting out here. Okay. But again, going through those growing pains, it's full of entrepreneurs um, who are now working out how to leverage um, and grow. Mm -hmm. So again, it's been fun to work with them. And it's and Keller Williams is known for its learning base and yeah. constant training and development. So mm -hmm. it's perfect for me in that way as well. So yeah. I'm coming at it from lots of different angles. I'll, yeah. I'll, and as you mentioned, I live with Andy, who is a business coach. And if there's not a new book by the bedside every week <laughs> or two, then um and i'm normally handed it as soon as he's finished with it so i'm that's, sure <laughs> that's my other routine <laughs> love it i love it yeah being married to a, a business coach uh, you know i'm sure has its challenges too because <laughs> i know my wife will will uh, occasionally will be talking and she'll say david stop coaching me <laughs> I, I only have to look at andy now um, I don't <laughs> you, you've got the look so, down uh, yeah we've had the tears we've tried it it doesn't work it doesn't so. work <laughs> but we do have a, a life plan together um, and we refresh that regularly. So, so that's, that's the piece that does come through well. Yes. Yeah, that's great. So um, th thank you for sharing those things because that, that's really kind of cool. Um, that one thing that I picked up on is that you started in an organization where, where training and development was a part of their process. And now you're also in another company here uh, at this part of your career where training and development and growth yeah. is a part. Of, of their process. And I think that that's really important. And, and I think that it's important as organizations to continue to look into how they're developing their people, how they are um, growing their people, because in, in, in any environment, when your people are growing, the business will then grow as well. And, and um, yeah. I just think that that's super important. Um, did you intentionally seek that out? Or was that just something that kind of happened? Or talk a little bit about that? I think, um, as you say, I think because I was, I had that grounding when I first started in my career, I have looked to that yeah. intentionally always in the past, but now it's intentional. But I think in the past, I've, I've probably looked to a culture that I'm, that needs to resonate. And actually, if there isn't that there, it just hasn't resonated as well. So, but I agree with you for any business, be it three people, um, be it one person, then yeah. how are you developing yourself? If it's three people, if it's 30 people, there are all sorts of different ways to learn. I think through through you know lockdown, we've all found new ways to, to learn. Um, I think, yeah. Um, again, watching <laughs> Andy do exercise outside, watching a YouTube video, is <laughs> none of us want to see again, but um, it, it, <laughs> he learned a new <laughs> set of exercises. Knowing, knowing Andy and how much he loves running, uh, you know, for to have him not be able to do that, I, I you know, God bless you. I'm sure living with him was painful. <laughs> we've we've all been through something, but yeah. So that constant learning is is definitely a culture I've looked for. Um, yeah. I encourage any emerging leader 
to think about if they've just read a good book or they've just listened to your podcast then to pass it on to someone else mm, even, if they, even if you pass it on to three people and one of them listens to it they will have got something out of it they will remember you for it they will come back to you for more um and you'll both grow from that yeah that's that's terrific i, I love that passing it on if you were to um think of maybe like two or three of your kind of like, like your top leadership or growth personal growth lessons what what comes to mind for you like how, like what are some of the things that you feel like like were pivotal moments for you just along your journey in in your growth uh, anything come to mind well i think in terms of um <laughs> if i go back to my father who was um in the corporate world um and so i was lucky enough to him to apply some nepotism and I went and did a kind of summer job at his office a couple of times nice. uh, where I learned that his nickname um, you know he's he was a big softy at home but at work his nickname was iron pants so I was like okay this is a different <laughs> to my father um, yeah. but he actually he suggested something to me very early doors which apply he did apply it to if you're trying to find a partner as well as um, in terms of business but he just said ask questions people love to talk about themselves mm. I love that. Obviously, I've said already that I don't really like talking about myself, but you're asking good questions, so we're doing it. <laughs> um, to be inquisitive and to ask questions means that you learn quicker. If you're waiting for someone to tell you, then you could be waiting a long time. Mm -hmm. But to ask the why um, is a really good um, And I think that did speed up my progression in early years. And I think now what it means is I can get to the nub of an issue quicker yeah. by asking those smart questions. Yeah. So I think, I think the skill of listening, um, you know, the art of conversation, it's a two way thing. Um, and, and that skill of listening, I think is key. Um, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. No, I, I'm, I'm loving, I'm, I'm actually loving that you're saying this because for, and I'm going to talk to the emerging leaders in the emerging leader inner circle for just a second, because I know that you've heard me talk about asking good questions and we've gone through a, a, a little series of, of how to ask questions and, and the importance of questions. So I, I'm so grateful that you brought that up. And I think that's a really important part because there are so many um, misconceptions that a leader has to have all of the answers, but really the leader, leader is really more about like asking the good questions so that they can come to the answers or find the answers. And so I'm, I'm so, so glad that you yeah. said that. Sure. That's without me listening to your group. Okay. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I think one of the other um, pieces, which again is, is down to this, this conversation um, element. And actually, again, some of it came through in my early years uh, with WH Smith uh, retail we they facilitated a huge event where we talked about the art of the conversation okay um, and part of it was that listening piece and, and another part was being clear in communication so many people um so i've just come off a call just before we were talking where it could have easily left by us both saying yeah that's fine okay talk to you tomorrow but by having a clear conversation to say who's who's going to do what by when and if you're making a request of someone to explain why you're asking for it to be urgently done by tomorrow and then to see if they do commit back or whether they can say Look, i can't do that by tomorrow but i'll do it by thursday that those kind of conversations sound like they're pretty obvious but 
if you all listen to the next five conversations you have, that requesting and promising piece often doesn't happen. And people leave a conversation expecting one thing and mm. someone else expecting another, and then you end up with conflict. Oh, yeah. And most of the conflict I ever see is because of that lack of clarity in, in determining action. So, so really precise about that is, is sometimes a bit boring, but incredibly uh, useful. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then I think the piece that I have learned to add on to that is if you promise, you know, that typical under promise and over deliver. Yeah. If, if you do everything that you're expected to do and then a bit, that gets noticed. You don't talk about it, but if you consistently do that, it gets noticed. Um, and, and that has definitely been part of my personal success. Um, yes, you end up putting yourself under pressure, um, but also if you take pride in what you're doing and, and enjoy it, then actually doing that little bit extra isn't too much like hard work. Um, and don't always under-promise just for the sake of it either. They've got to find the balance. But, but being really clear in that promises and requests conversation so that people know what you're going to go away and do, and then you come back and deliver it, and then a bit more. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a route of success. Yeah, opinion. absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, I love that you, I love that you shared the, the, I call it getting clear on expectations. And, yeah. and, and essentially, it's, it's, it's being able to say, okay, you know, I'm requesting this and, and it's, you know, are, is it okay? Can, can you get this done by, by this time? Um, or if somebody says, Hey, I can't get it done by that time. Um, understanding that and really being able to, to get clear on those expectations, I think yeah. is a key part of communication. I'm so glad that you brought that up because and I think I mean, one of the environments where it came through very, very loud and clear was you mentioned, I worked in the sort of publishing world with Hearst and Condé Nast. So yeah, actually working for a part of the business that was working with them and also a whole host of other publishers every publisher as you can imagine has their own ego um sure. publisher of vogue versus the publisher of um kind of uh i don't know i was gonna say i was gonna use all sorts of english examples yeah, that's okay anyway. you can use them yeah but different well different publishers for different so the economist versus vogue would be different for example. Yeah, yeah um and if you're trying to encourage them to do something or you know advise them to do something you do need to play those different characters differently but you still do need to communicate just as clearly with them um and if you don't communicate clearly then they go away with all sorts of the wrong expectations um and then it's just horrible <laughs> so, yeah yeah um, but actually somehow not playing to the egos but recognizing who you're talking to and how you talk to them but the consistency is that clarity in there. So I love that. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really good. Um, and, and I think that, that just that getting clear is, is ask, you, you even have to ask questions in that clarity process. Uh, I, I know that in the corporate world, there's a lot of times when people will go to a meeting and then they'll be like, oh, okay, we've been here for an hour, we're, we're done. But when, you know, real effective organizations are the ones who will say, okay, we're, we're, this is the, this is the goal of this meeting. And at the end, yeah. we're going to say, what are the next steps and who's going to do what? And then we're going to hold each other accountable so that when we come back, we can say, Hey, we did, we got this done. We didn't get this done. And then there's a real um, clarity of those expectations. I, I really, really I appreciate and that. And I think I've seen it stronger in the entrepreneurs I've worked with more recently 
because when it is just them or a very small group of people and resources are, are tight, then actually that clarity is ever more required. So I actually see those skills quite often honed well within an entrepreneurial environment. Mm. Um, but then as things start to grow, it's easy to lose that. Um, you've got a bigger audience to talk to, um, so, and you've got more resource to throw it at. So, so actually, some of those skills that some of your, um, you know, your guys will be creating now, don't lose it, is all I would say. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually, I think that's really good, good advice to be able to make sure that we're always, you know, thinking into the things that the things that we're learning and keep using them because if you don't use it you know you can lose it and i think Absolutely. that's that's Absolutely. really important i love it well yeah. is there any anything else that you think that either an emerging leader or even a senior leader i i think that <clears throat> uh, let, let me rephrase the senior leader i was called on that by somebody that said i don't like the phrase senior leader okay how about let's say say experienced leader um if you know if if you were talking to either an emerging leader or an experienced leader what's something that you would tell them like that's really important in today's business world and in like right now as we're as we're recording this we're still in the middle of a, a, a pandemic um, looks like maybe we're kind of on the tail end of it or maybe slowing anyway but but there's a lot of new stuff going on in the world that we're in um, what would you say to that emerging leader or that, that uh, experienced leader that, that they need to be adaptable to? Or, or, uh, well, I think, I think that is part of it, is actually to be agile. Mm. Uh, and I think a lot of businesses through, through um, the recession that we saw you know, a few years ago and then um, you know, this piece now have, have stripped costs, stripped um, you know, out a lot of things that will make them more agile mm. um, but I think the, the biggest thing for me is leverage it's um, and really utilizing what's available so be that leverage your own skills so I know um, Richard Branson is a really good advocate of this which is he recognizes what he's good at he also recognizes what he's really rubbish at yeah. and, and he makes sure he's always surrounded himself with people who are good at those other things yeah. so you know, leverage your own skills but also if you've got um you know systems or processes or people you know are you really sweating those hard and and really applying that leverage and constantly looking for for where you can find it so i think the environment i'm in now um currently both in the organization i'm working with but also as you say the environment we're all in is forcing that thinking ever more but I think as an emerging leader, you know, where is your leverage in your current role? Um, how can you utilize that to help you grow and to help the, you know, the business you're in um, grow as well? But I tend to put it down to sort of people processes systems um, because it normally falls into one, if not more of those. Right. Um, and actually, as you say, the, the technology that continues to evolve, um, the, you know, the fact that we're all using Zoom now in the way that we are, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, yeah. We're all, we've all saved um, travel costs significantly, whether we exactly. like it or not. Exactly. Um, and, and there's only been a couple of blips in Zoom, I think, so far. So right. that leverage piece and just to con 